guess is you uh, have been able to tell already that we're speaking on the Holy Spirit today. And uh, so as our Cactus Campus joins us, as our uh, campus, our venue, and our chapel join us, uh, why don't we all bow and uh, let's ask God's blessing on this time. Our triune God, we uh, pray that as we gather now in the name of Jesus, and as we look to the Holy Spirit for revelation and for insight, that you would speak to us now through your word. Spirit, we know that you are the one who reveals the rich things of God to us, and I pray that as we open up your word now, that you would do your revealing work uh, in us, and Lord, uh, as a result of that, through us. God, uh, many of us have come in here today uh, with things on our mind and burdens in our heart. We're, we're distracted at the very least, and I pray, God, that you would allow us to set those things aside now and to focus fully on you and what you might have to say to us. So I pray this in Jesus' name, and we say together, amen. amen. So I want you to imagine something with me right now. This might be a stretch for some of you, but I want you to imagine that you're interested in sailing. You're interested in sailing. And not just any sailing, like some little sunfish, but real sailing, like a big boat across the ocean sailing. The only problem is you've never done it before. It just looks great, and it sounds fun. And so being a responsible person, you start by doing your research, you read books, you check out the blogs, you talk with the experts, you even visit some shipyards to try to get uh, up to snuff on various boats. And once you're educated, you choose your boat. She's a beauty. She's a Shannon 28. This is a picture of one right here. It's a 28-foot boat, not the biggest one in the yard, but seaworthy and, and ocean-faring. And you love this boat, and she's going to get you across the ocean. And so now you choose to make this boat your own. You take lessons on how to sail her. You become proficient. You deck out this boat to your own tastes, and you start to stock up for the journey across the ocean. And the day finally comes for you to set out. You get up early. You go through all your checklists. You shove off from the dock. You use that little engine to get out of the harbor. And then you pull the engine up and you hoist your sails and nothing happens. You're sitting there ready to go across the ocean and you're just sitting there and nothing's happening. Why? Because on that particular day, you forgot to check the weather report. There's no wind. And so all of your preparations, all of your time, all of your experience that you have up to this point are for naught because you've made the biggest novice mistake, and that is that you forgot to check the weather. And you learn a really big lesson, and that is that with all the preparation in the world, all the books, blogs, educational courses, money invested, stockpiles stored up, even with all the resolve you have in you to get moving, you're not going anywhere without the wind. It's the sailor's number one lesson. And I want to talk to you today about the Holy Spirit. Because here's the sobering reality, folks, and that is that a lot of Christians today, and trust me on this, a lot of Christians are like well-prepared sailors sitting in a boat on the ocean of life, and they're not going anywhere. I hear it all the time from people that for all the church attendance, even all the Bible study, all the giving, all the, the small groups that they're in, all the Christian preachers they listen to, all the Christian books that they read, 
That at the end of the day, they're left wanting, they're left lacking, they're like somebody who's prepared to sail across the ocean and they're sitting there in still water. And they have good evangelical theology. Again, they go to church, they do all the right things, but there isn't a lot of, a lot of action. The movement is lacking. Their boat, if you will, doesn't seem to go anywhere. And if you've ever been there, and I have, we wonder why. And what I'm here to tell you today is that much of it can come down to a noticeable lack of Holy Spirit wind of our understanding and lack of applying the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's really true. This analogy I'm giving you of the wind is not my own. I stole this from Jesus. Jesus is the one who originally tied this idea of wind to the Holy Spirit. Look at John 3.8. It says the wind blows, Jesus is speaking, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so the Spirit here is symbolized by the wind blowing. And I love that analogy. Because there's not one of us here today or at Cactus or across at the venue or at Chapel that, that doesn't understand this idea of wind and sailing and can even relate to it. So we're in the middle of a series, as was mentioned earlier, out of John 14 that we've entitled Revealed. Jesus is revealing in John chapter 14 who the triune God is. And he begins by revealing himself the Son. And he reveals himself as God come in the flesh, as our Lord and as our Savior. You can go back and listen to that from week one. Jesus was very clear on that. And then last week, Neil talked about how Jesus reveals the Father also as God. And then this week, as we read verses 16 to 26 earlier, Jesus reveals the Holy Spirit. And so here's what I want us to do in our time remaining today. I want to share with you one sentence one jam-packed sentence based on the words of Jesus here that will act as a powerful primer on who and what the Holy Spirit is. And if there was ever a sentence that you put to memory, this might be the one. Because this summarizes the 11 verses that Jesus, that we read earlier from the words of Jesus, and even answers the question as to why some of us seem stuck in still water without any wind in our sails. So here it is, who and what the Holy Spirit is. And it's this, that Jesus teaches us that the Holy Spirit is a person. That's gonna be really important for us to get. A person of the triune God who reveals and empowers. Who is the Holy Spirit? This is it, a person of the triune God who reveals and empowers. Now, let's do a deep dive into this. Notice first, we are saying that the Holy Spirit is a person of the triune God. One of the biggest mistakes that people make about the Holy Spirit, and I hear it all the time among Christians, is that we talk about the Holy Spirit as a, as a force, as some sort of nebulous spirit. In fact, old-time Christians used to call the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. And I remember as a kid thinking like Casper the Friendly Ghost or something like that. I mean, again, we got this picture of the Holy Spirit as maybe a, a Christian version of George Lucas's The Force in our lives. And what you need to know is that that is at best understating and underselling and even wrong about who the Holy Spirit is. Look at what Jesus tells us. This is rich. In the opening verses of this 
explanation of the Spirit, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth. Now, we're going to get to the words helper and truth in just a minute. But before we jump to those, we need to understand what Jesus meant by another helper. You see, when Jesus says another helper, who is that other that he's bouncing off of or referring back to? Does anybody know? Jesus. It's Jesus himself. See, the disciples up to this point have been relating to Jesus as a person, as the second person of the Trinity, as we have seen, come to earth, and he has been a helper to them at the very least. And Jesus is now saying, I'm going to give you another helper who will be with you forever. Every Bible expert expert agrees that's what Jesus is getting at here. So the question becomes, how is the Spirit then like Jesus? How is the Spirit another helper? And here's what you need to dial into. He's a person. Jesus is living, real. Jesus has a definite personality, one that you and I can relate to. Don't miss this. Jesus is saying there's another just like me as a person that I'm about ready to introduce you to. And that's the Holy Spirit. And that's why I said earlier, the Holy Spirit is not a force per se, some nebulous entity of God. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity, the third person of the triune God. And to be sure that this is true, Jesus says that he's going to give us the Spirit or send the Spirit forever in our lives. So just like God is with us forever, the Spirit as God is with us forever. And so maybe now you can see why Bible experts for 2,000 years have viewed the Holy Spirit as not some esoteric or ethereal ghost-like figure in our lives, but an actual person of the triune God that we relate to as a person. We'll get to that in a little bit. But it's important that we understand that this is the Spirit before us, a person of the Trinity. And this person is just as much God, that's a mystery of the Trinity, as the Father and as the Son. You know, when you go to read the rest of the New Testament, this Holy Spirit is mentioned like hundreds and hundreds of times. And when you read the hundreds of occurrences of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, you can't help but walk away with a picture or understanding that this is God we're talking about. In Acts chapter 5, when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the disciples about what they gave to the church, it says that they lied to the Holy Spirit, and then Peter says, you have not lied to men, but to God. And so in lying to the Holy Spirit, you're lying to God directly. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, now the Lord is the Spirit. Wait, the Lord is the Spirit, so the Lord is just as much Spirit In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is described as the creator in Genesis chapter 1. He's described as omnipresent, meaning everywhere present in Psalm 139. He's described as omnipotent, meaning all-powerful in Job 33, omniscient, meaning all-knowing in 1 Corinthians 2, and eternal, as we have seen here in John 14 in Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to move on from this in a second, but please understand this. Theologians, as I said a few weeks ago, didn't just like come up with this wild-eyed 
cockamamie idea of God being three in one just to confuse us. No, this is our best understanding of who God is from a plain and honest reading of the Bible, that God presents himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but more than just presents himself, he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three distinct persons, one God. And what you need to hear today is that the Holy Spirit is just as much God. He's 100% God as Father and Son. And as God, he is a person. Now, once we've established this, Jesus goes on to share two very profound and potent roles that the Holy Spirit wants to play in our lives. Roles that will have everything to do with that wind that we were talking about earlier. And the two primary roles that the Holy Spirit plays, now watch this, is to reveal God to us. So the Holy Spirit is a revealer and then to empower us to walk with God. So to reveal and empower are the two roles of the Holy Spirit. Jesus could not have been more clear. Look again at the opening verses of this lesson. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. So helper and truth. Then go to the very last verse of this lesson, verse 26, and Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. So it's saying the same thing. Twice Jesus mentions the Spirit as the helper, and twice he says that he is a spirit of truth who will teach us all things. Let me quickly, because I know I'm giving you guys a lot of theology here today, but this is worth it. Let me quickly share with you what we mean by helper or empower and revealer so that when we put this together in a minute, you fully understand what is happening here. That word helper is an interesting word in the original language that the New Testament was written in. It's the Greek word parakletos, and it only appears about five times in the New Testament, but its verb form, parakaleo, appears over a hundred times. So it's a relatively common word in Jesus's day. And what's most interesting is that it's a word that carries a very broad meaning to it. And that's why it's translated very differently in different Bible uh, translations, even here in John 14. The New American Standard Bible translates it helper, but I think the King James translates, translates it advocate, and the New International Version translates it counselor or comforter. And so it's like all over the map on how we translate this word, and some people say, what's up with that? Well, the word actually means, I love this, one who comes to another's aid. And as one who comes to another's aid, we see in various contexts that you can comfort another when you do that. You can advocate on behalf of another when you do that. You can counsel another. You can encourage another. You can even just tangibly help another. Those are all the contexts that we find this word in. And that's why it's translated rather broadly because it simply pictures, watch this, you coming alongside another person, putting your arm around them and saying, what do you need from me right now? How can I help you in your life right now? That's what the word parakaleo or parakletos means. A helper who comes to one's aid. And that's how Jesus is describing the spirit here as one who comes alongside and helps us in our time of need. Now hang on to that and let's notice something else rich in Jesus' words. 
He goes on to say, he, the Holy Spirit, abides with you, now watch this, and will be, say this word with me, in you, in you. Now, now that's interesting because we just said the Holy Spirit comes alongside you and puts your arm around you. Jesus goes deeper in that. He says, no, that spirit is gonna live in you and provide that same help that you need in your time of need. Comfort, encouragement, advocating for you, even tangibly helping you. So add all this up. You have this indwelling Holy Spirit inside each and every believer in Jesus who is there as a helper to comfort, encourage, counsel, advocate, come to one's aid. Maybe now you can see why I use the word empower. Because when you add it all up, the Holy Spirit is there as a helper to empower the believer to faithfully and fully live the Christian life. And when you look at the myriad of verses outside of John 14 here that talk about the Holy Spirit, it's like it explodes in our understanding because we see how often the Holy Spirit is actually linked to power. One of the first appearances of the Spirit in the Gospels is found in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, when Mary is being given the words from the angel that she is going to get pregnant with Jesus, even before she is laying with Joseph. And it says, the angel answered and said to her, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Spirit was going to give Mary power. And then Jesus experienced the same thing in his life. In Luke 4, 14, when he's coming out of his temptation time in the desert, it says, and Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know how some of you think. You're thinking right now, well, Jamie, this is Mary and Jesus for crying out loud. I mean, like, of course they're gonna get power from the Holy Spirit. They're kind of unique. They were really holy. They were used for, obviously, unusual purposes. Good point. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter one, verse eight to the disciples. He says, but you will receive, say this word with me, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And again, I know how some of you think. You're thinking, well, Jamie, that's the disciples. They were like really holy men. They were unusual. They were called to a specific purpose. So you got Mary, Jesus, the disciples. Of course, they're gonna get power from the Holy Spirit. Glad you mentioned that. Look at Romans chapter eight, verse 11. And you can't weasel out of this one. You ready for this? But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and by the way, he does if you believe in Jesus, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his, oops, spirit who dwells in you. So there it is. Power constantly linked to this indwelling Holy Spirit. Don't miss this, gang. The Holy Spirit lives in you to give you power where your flesh leaves off where your natural self just can't seem to do it, God inhabits you as the spirit in order to empower you. And some of you, if you're thinking right now, are going, well, where does my natural self like leave off? Like, I think I can just do about everything that I'm asked to do. <laughs> Glad you asked. Look at what Jesus goes on to say in John 14. Th th this is an interesting passage. When we read it earlier, some of you didn't catch this, but Jesus gives this wonderful, wonderful, you know, hey, I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit. And he's gonna reveal truth to you and he's gonna empower you as the helper. And then look at what Jesus goes on to say, because this confuses a lot of Christians. We've, some of them don't even like this. 
He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, because he's already left, this is probably Thaddeus, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me. Now, let's just be really honest in the house of God here right now, shall we? I wonder how this fits with what Jesus is talking about here. Am I alone? I mean, this is actually really harsh when you think about it. Can you imagine a parent parenting their child this way? Maybe back in the old days, but essentially what a parent would be saying to a child here is, look, if you love me, kid, you will obey me and you will keep my word. And by the way, if you don't keep my word, then it shows that you don't love me. What do you think of that? That's what Jesus is saying to you and I. This is a call to obedience that Jesus is giving us here. And it's a rather harsh call to obedience because he ties it to our love for him and even his, his uh, living within us. And some of us don't like that. How do we make sense of that given what Jesus just said about the spirit? Here's where this is really life-giving. First point, because there's two things I wanna say to you right now. First, uh, God does care about our obedience. That was a really good place for an amen. So let's take another run at that. <laughs> God does care about our obedience. See, a lot of us really don't think that. <laughs> I love you guys, and we're a grace-based church, and we talk about sin and forgiveness and grace and second chances all the time around here, and we will because that is core to the gospel. But here's what you need to understand. Randy Stonehill, the old-time gospel singer, once said it best in one of his songs. He says, grace is not a place for you to wipe your feet. Grace is not given so that you will get a free ride in life and just do what you want to and say, oh, but I'm forgiven anyways and I can do what I want. No, grace is given so that you might someday become the man or woman that God wants you to be, right? Grace is given so that you and I can have the freedom, the forgiveness, the power to change and to start to become less of the unloving, unrighteous person that we've spent too long being, God wants you, let me say it candidly, to finally get with the program and to see your life change and to see you become a more righteous, holy witness to those around you. And I know that that feels like pressure, we'll get to that in a minute here, but that's what Jesus is saying here. And there's no escaping it. He saved you so that you might become better, so you may become more righteous, so that the things you used to do, you do not do anymore. That now that you love him, you will keep his word. Why? Because he loves you and he knows what's best for you. And he wants you to shine bright as a living witness for him in a world of decadence that doesn't even know anything like that. And he wants them to see that in you. Let's make no mistake about that. But that is a tall order. In fact, here's how tall of an order it is, and this is where it becomes very life-giving. He knows that you can't do that on your own. 
He knows that some of you are going to go out even here today and say, pastor told me I need to get more obedient. And tomorrow you're going to go, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And you're going to try as hard as you can and all of your human strength to be more obedient, to be more righteous. And you're going to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lose it on the one-on-one. I'm not going to yell at my dog. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do all these things. I'm not going to buy a bunch of booze on the way home and get drunk. I'm not going to do all of these things. And in trying your own strength, what's going to happen? You're going to fail. You're going to get to Monday night and say it doesn't work. But you see, here's what you're not hearing. Here's the second thing you need to understand. God cares about your obedience, but what did he say right before this call to obedience in John 14? He said, you have one who lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit, who is not your natural strength, who is not your fleshly resolve. The Holy Spirit is a distinct, remember what we said earlier, person of the Trinity, who lives in you to help you with power. Now let's go on to what Jesus says. Obey him and walk with him. See how that works? But a lot of us are like that boat. We're sitting in still water wondering, what's happening, God? Why am I not going anywhere? And he says, I think you don't understand the Holy Spirit. I don't think you understand and apply and pray and expect and ask for what I want to do in you, given the deposit, that's what Ephesians 1 calls the Spirit, the deposit that I have put in you. The Holy Spirit, if you don't hear anything else today, is given to you to give power to you, but many of us don't even recognize that, even though he's right there, even living in us. And by the way, this idea of power from the Holy Spirit, power to obey, obedience is just the tip of the iceberg. We don't have time to go into it today, but the Holy Spirit giving us power also empowers all of the spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit has fruit, like you can read about them in Galatians 5, that are all powerful fruits that he wants to do in our lives. The Holy Spirit in John 16 even convicts us of sin, even the unbelievers around us. I mean, there's so many things the Bible mentions that the Spirit wants to do as power in your life. We just don't recognize it. Now, before we put all this together, I want you to notice me a little bit more quickly the second role that the Spirit plays because we're gonna put all this together with a great challenge here in a minute. But first, let's stay with Jesus on this. And that is that Jesus tells us that he's not only the empowerer of our lives, but also the revealer of truth and knowledge. Jesus tells us very clearly in John 14 that this is the Spirit of truth who will teach us all things. Now, to best understand this, let me ask you a very important question. No matter where you are right now in your spiritual journey, even if you're not a believer yet here, but you're on a spiritual journey, let me ask you, have you ever wondered why and how you understand the things of God that you understand right now? Have you ever wondered that? You see, it seems like a weird question, but the the average Christian would basically say, well, you know, I, I read the Bible, or I listened to a preacher, or I read a Christian book, or hey, I was out hiking in the McDowell's and I had some really great thoughts about God and, and you know, and, and using my natural mind, because uh, I'm pretty sharp, I, I understood some things about God. In fact, there used to be a bumper sticker when I first got saved back in the early 1980s, and this bumper sticker was really popular among Christians, and it said, I found it. Remember that? I found it. And so a lot of people think that they went out and tried to find God and they found him. And though it might seem like that is what happens, what the Bible does, and this is actually kind of humorous, is the Bible turns that understanding upside down and says, well, it really wasn't you. 
that any understanding you have of God, though it seemed like you discovered it, God says, not really. I'm the one who helped you to understand me, and watch this, I did it through the Holy Spirit, who before you were a believer was dwelling in and around you, and after you became a believer is now residing in you. So any understanding you have of God, personalize it for you right now, all the insights you have have come to you because of the Spirit and in no other way. They are not your own. It's God who loves you. The Bible couldn't be more clear on this. Look at Hebrews 6. It says, For in the case of those who have once been enlightened, uh, who have tasted of the heavenly gift, who have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. Don't miss this. How did you and I get enlightened? How have we tasted the good word of God? We've been partakers of the Holy Spirit. It might seem like we were the ones getting our own thoughts and insights about God, but it was really the Spirit. And this is why I call the Holy Spirit the great revealer. Because it's the Spirit who reveals God and Jesus and the Father to us. It's the Spirit who helps us understand the deep and rich things of God. And if not for the movement of the Spirit in this way, there is no wind in your sails when it comes to knowing God. I'm gonna get a little bit ahead of myself here, but because we'll get more to this in just a second. But, you know, once in a while it just blows me away. Somebody will say to me, okay, Jamie, I'm trying to understand the Trinity. You know, and I, and I talk to God and I talk to the Father and I, and I sometimes pray to Jesus, but, but, but am I allowed to talk to the Holy Spirit? Let me ask you guys, what's the answer to that question? Are we allowed to talk to the Spirit, yes or no? Yes. So you know what I want to say? You mean you haven't? <laughs> You've been a follower of God, the triune God who reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three distinct persons. That's why that person thing is so important that we talked about earlier. And you haven't been talking to God, the Holy Spirit, as a person, the one who wants to empower you, the one who lives inside you, the one who wants to reveal the rich things of God to you. And I feel bad for you. Maybe that's what some of us are missing. See, I do this all week long. I, I, I really do shake in my boots and hand to teach the word of God, not because of you guys, you don't scare me. What scares me is the fact that James 3 says that not many of you should presume to be teachers because if you do, you're gonna be held to what? A stricter, have you read the Bible? Go to Sunday school. A stricter <laughs> judgment. Yeah, harsh, talk about harsh. I, I'm held to a stricter judgment on the day that I meet God because of everything I teach here. So you know what I do as kind of my ace in the hole <laughs> is all throughout the week, whenever I open that book, and I really do this every time, I breathe almost the identical prayer to the Holy Spirit. And I say, I close my eyes and I say, God, may this be your word to your people. Holy Spirit, may you give me insight and revelation. And Holy Spirit, may you be preparing these people's hearts to receive not my words, but your word that you decide to breathe through me. John Calvin, the great reformer, used to be seen muttering as he's walking up to that great pulpit in Geneva. And some, one time somebody said to him, what do you keep muttering back and forth? You know, He said the same prayer, come, Holy Spirit, come. Because you see, without the Holy Spirit doing something in you, everything I say means nothing. 
Bill Hybels once said, I do not have the power, he's a pastor, I do not have the power to change the composition of a human heart. Only God does. Only God can change you. I can't do that. And so as a result of that, I pray all the time to the Holy Spirit for you and even for me. Now, what's the point of all of this? Because some of you are going right now, well, this is good understanding, you know, this is good to get this. I mean, they're the empowerer, the revealer, and yeah, okay, I don't quite see it like that. Now I'm seeing it more like this. What am I to do with this? Here's what you need to do with this. And some of you are going to find this awfully simple, but I challenge you to audit your spiritual life because this is what I think many of us aren't doing. And that is that when it comes to the Holy Spirit as a person, when it comes to the Holy Spirit as the empowerer in our soul, the revealer to our minds, You have to believe this. You have to see it this way. You have to further trust this. You have to further engage the spirit in faith as a person. And you have to look to him to be the empowerer in your life and the revealer of truth to you. So let me say it most plainly, just like you and I trust in Jesus for salvation and forgiveness, and just like we look to the Father for sovereign guidance in our times of need, and we do those things, today what you need to hear, because Jesus tells us this, is that we need to look to the Spirit for daily empowering, asking and trusting, as well as to help us understand the things of God and even the world around us. Because what I've learned over the years is that when you learn to do this, when you, when you learn to breathe in an understanding of the Spirit, His wind starts to blow. When you learn to trust and ask for and expect through faith the blowing of God's wind this way, He might make you wait a little bit, but over time, look out, that wind will come. As Jim Cimbala says, fresh wind, fresh fire will come, but you need to trust in the Spirit. Uh, to show you how powerful this can be, I want you to share with you one of our, my stories right now. I, I warn you, I think this is one of the most powerful my stories we've ever shared with you. It, it's a story of conversion. It's a story of a young gal who's been on a journey spiritually and recently came to faith in Jesus. But what I want you to listen for in her story, outside of the obvious, is I want you to look for how maybe the Spirit was working, because she even talks about that a little bit. I want you to look at how the Spirit was working in the empowering and revealing phases of her journey. Because you look close, and you'll see it, and you just might get it. Look up here on the screen. I was born in Iran. When I was nine months old, so we're in 1985, my family had to escape because uh, of religious persecution. Ever since the revolution and the Ayatollah came in and uh, Iran became an Islamic Republic, uh, Baha'is are actively persecuted. My dad's side of the family are Baha'is. My mom's side of the family are Muslims. Growing up, you know, we heard stories of what it was like to escape, to have to leave. We lived a year and a half in Turkey, a year and a half in Italy, and then the United Nations brought us over to the United States. My grandma really wanted my sister and I to be part of the faith. When you turn 15 in the Baha'i faith, you have to sign a a declaration card. My dad's side of the family started kind of pushing me to like sign, sign it, sign it, this is what you're gonna do is you're gonna be a Baha'i. I said, no, 
I, I think there's more. I want to find out what else is going on. My father stopped talking to me, my actual biological father. But he still continued to talk with my older sister, which was really hard for me. He's like, I don't know what I did wrong. I remember I went with a friend to a Buddhist, I guess like a temple almost, and you know, I went with Jewish friends to synagogues, and you know, my mom took me one time because I wanted to like see, well, you know, what are Muslims doing? What are they all about? I got up and left, and I was like, nope, that's not for me, mom. And she's like, that's fine. She's like, just remember, you need to find God. I was 15, and my life kind of was on a downward trend. I was caught up in the wrong crowds. I, um, I started doing drugs. I was an addict for about seven years. I felt empty. I felt like there was something missing. I met a woman uh, at Starbucks where I uh, lived uh, named Renee. Her actions alone, you know, led me to believe like, oh wow, she's a Christian. It was Sunday morning, I was praying, I was crying, I wanted God to help me, and something just came in my mind of, go, go find Renee. Renee is at Scottsdale Bible, she's at the cafe, go there right now. So I came and I told Renee, like, I would like to stay for service. And she said, of course. She's like, I will come with you. The moment we stood up to start singing, I understood, like, this is the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness, I can feel it, I can see it in people's faces, I can hear it in their voices. So I filled out an information card. Pastor Brian contacted me, and I went to meet with him, and I pretty much cried for an entire hour. You know, he said, I think you're there. I think you've been just kind of, you know, on the sidelines, not sure. And he asked me, he was like, do you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And I remember I sat back and I dried my tears and I said, yeah, I do. I get it. I, I completely understand now. Through every religion I've gone through, through stories my mom and friends have told me, I understand what it means now. I, I felt relieved. I felt like... God had come and been like, you see that heavy load on your shoulder? Give it to me. Hand it over. Let me be the one that's carrying it for you. Knowing that God is my Father, knowing that no matter what, He'll always be there, He's not going to turn His back on me. Um, I think that really helped me. You know, people ask me now, you know, oh, where's your Father? And I, I tell them, like, He's in my heart. You know, He's, he's everywhere. I was lost and then I was found, and I'm grateful for it. I'm so grateful for it. I, I was lost, but then I was found. That's good theology. She's not gonna have an I found it bumper sticker on her car, because she knows better. She was found by God. Now, let's just take a closer look for a second at Farrah's story. Early on in her journey, there was an empowerment theme going on. Did you catch it? It was in her friend Renee. She went to Starbucks to see her friend Renee, and she was drawn to Renee. Did you hear how she said it? Because there were some actions in Renee that were very different. Maybe now you can understand why Jesus says in John 14 that our obedience matters. 
because many times, though the world might make fun of you for your morality, your lifestyle, your faith, your beliefs, there's some who are going to be very drawn to you because of what they see in you, the ones that God wants to draw. And Pharaoh was one, and Renee played a role through the Holy Spirit, changing Renee and drawing Pharaoh to God through that. And then obviously there was a revealing aspect going on here. I'm so glad God used us. This is not a perfect place here at all, but God, when Pharaoh walked into the worship, decided to do something in her, even before she came to believe. Is that not powerful? God did something in her that in hindsight, she said that was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was revealing, calling, wooing me to him. And then, you know, I tell you guys all the time, hey, make sure that you're prepared to give a verbal witness, right? I, I've done this for you, three minutes. Three minutes to be able to tell your story, help people understand Jesus. Aren't you glad our pastor Brian, who by the way is the pastor of evangelism, but anyways, uh, that Brian is prepared to give a witness and when he was talking to Pharaoh, said, I think you're ready. And again, it's God's Holy Spirit. She was ready to believe and she did believe. Uh, Frederick Dale Bruner calls the Holy Spirit, I kind of like this, the shy person of the Trinity. The shy person of the Trinity. It, it, what he means by that is this revealing, empowering, living inside you work, it many times is behind the scenes. Many times we don't see it until after we look back and say, only God, only the Holy Spirit could be doing that uh, inside me. But don't ever let the shyness of the Holy Spirit cause you to back away from your need for the Holy Spirit in your life. I wanna wrap up before we go to our Elder Fund offering with one question for you, and it's a very personal question. As I've done a couple times before, I want you to pretend that you and I are having a cup of coffee, Cactus Venue and Chapel, you watching online, same thing. And what would you answer if I asked you the question, where do you need the wind of the Holy Spirit in your life right now? Look, when I gave that illustration earlier of a boat stuck in still water, let's just be frank, all of us not only experience that at times, but even in some places in our lives right now, all of us can relate to that. All of us get stuck, all of us right now have a place in our life where we need more wind. Where is that place for you? Some of you might answer it by saying, well, Jamie, since you're asking me honestly and it's just you and I, uh, there's this sin in my life. It's been ongoing. It's been besetting. I, I've tried for years to get rid of it. I can't seem to. I try, I fail, I try, I fail, and I'm just thankful for forgiveness and for salvation because I just can't seem to get over this sin. And you know what I would say to you? I wouldn't ask you to read a book. I wouldn't ask you to go through a course. I, I wouldn't ask you. I would just grab your hand, as I hope you have somebody in your life to do this, and say, well, you know what? Let's ask God together to give you strength, to give you power. In fact, let's ask the Holy Spirit to so fill you, what the Reformers used to call vivifying the Holy Spirit. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to vivify in you to such a degree that you're overwhelmed with his power. Could it hurt to ask him? Let's do that, and then let's trust him that he's gonna give you power. That's what I would do with you. Some of you might say, well, it's really not a sin for me right now. No, it's more of a revelation issue. I just, I need this, I need to understand something in my life. I have a decision to make that I don't know how to make, or this, this thing about my marriage I don't understand, or, or, or God, I don't understand God in certain ways. You might have a, an issue there. And, and again, you know, it's funny, people come to me, I don't know why, you know, for decision-making help all the time, and my wife laughs more than anybody else because I have enough trouble, you know, solving my own problems, let alone yours. 
And I'm glad I'm not a therapist. I love you guys, but you bring problems to me. And, and honestly, I don't say this, but I think to myself, I have absolutely no idea how to help you. I have absolutely no idea what you should do because you bring me the toughest issues. I mean, should I move to Sacramento or not for this job opportunity? How do you, you think I know the answer to that? But here's what I do know. God knows the answer, amen? I, I know that. So again, many times what I'll do, maybe now you can sweat, I'll grab your hand and I'll say, let's ask him uh, more further. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom beyond your ability to give you insight. May we even ask for revelation from him on what you are to do. It couldn't hurt, and, and the wind might just blow. Others of you might say, well, gee, it's not really a sin issue. It's not really a, a wisdom issue, but I, but I do need healing. I, I, I just, my body's getting older, or my body, I need healing. D did you guys know that there's like a, a lot of stories in the Bible about God healing? <laughs> And it was Jesus in the Gospels that healed, but after Jesus ascended into heaven, it's now Holy Spirit power that heals us when we most need it. And you gotta ask, and you gotta believe. And it doesn't mean he'll always do what you want, but I promise you this, the wind will start blowing. And then this one's my favorite. Sometimes people will say to me, well, it's really nothing for me, but you see, I have this friend, or I have this family member, and boy, do they ever need the Holy Spirit. You ever found yourself saying that? I got a few people in my life right now who need that. I'm not going to mention names, Dad, but I'm not going to mention people who it is. But I, 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 there are people in my life that I pray that the, I'll just say it like I mean it. I pray that the Holy Spirit would zap them. You ever been there? And I do. And I pray all the time for them. And by the way, that's biblical. Jesus says, pray that the Holy Spirit will convict people of sin and convict them in their lives and reveal things to them. Maybe we should pray more for that. Are you starting to see the Holy Spirit truly is the wind in our sails for empowering, for revealing, but you need to recognize him. You need to understand him. You need to avail yourself through faith of all that he wants to be for you. And when you do that, I'll bet you some wind will start blowing. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you indeed do love us and that there's not one person here today, there's not one person at Cactus or at the venue or at Chapel or watching online that you have given up on. You do not give up on any of us. We tend to give up on you, but you never do with us. And so, Father, I pray that as we once again look to you and understand more fully the fullness of who you are as not just Father, not just Son, but as Spirit, that God, we would put away childish things, as the Bible says, and now start to grow up in our faith and address you as you are, to come to you as you are, and begin to live spirit-led lives as we understand your spirit as the revealer and empowerer of our very souls. God, I pray that fresh wind would blow, not just in our church, but in each of our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.